Our second reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Mark. We are in the third chapter, beginning at the first verse. Again, Jesus entered the synagogue, and a man was there who had a withered hand. The scribes and the Pharisees watched Jesus to see whether he would cure the man on the Sabbath so that they might accuse Jesus. And Jesus said to the man who had the withered hand, come forward. Then Jesus said to those who were there, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save a life or to kill? But they were silent. Jesus looked around at them with anger. He was grieved at the hardness of their heart and said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately conspired with the Herodians against Jesus. How to destroy him. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we hear your stories. And we consider our own stories, and we long for the creative imagination of how to make peace. And in this time of worship and hearing your word, stir us, enliven us, that we may see the things that make for peace. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight our strength and our redeemer. Amen. On a Tuesday afternoon in 1961, my friend Otto White was arrested for disturbing the peace. Otto went to college in North Carolina. He was black and he was a Christian. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, he knew that God loved him and valued him as much as any other person. He knew that God wanted a world where people lived together in peace and harmony. And so that day, in North Carolina, he sat at the white lunch counter and was arrested and taken to jail for disturbing the peace. The peace Otto disturbed is the peace that is no peace, but rather the quiet discontent that covers over the suffering of discrimination and segregation. Otto and his friends sat at the lunch counter to say, no, this is not the world that God desires. There is a better way of equality and mutual respect, of harmony and wholeness, of completeness in humanity, God's way. Jesus called this the kingdom of God, the Hebrew word shalom the peace that comes from God's steadfast love and justice, the peace and wholeness that is more than the absence of conflict, but the harmony and well-being of all creation. As I was thinking about this sermon, I remembered that a coffee cup that I had once seen and that read, to do today, number one, Make world peace. 
And below those words was a person with their head down on the desk and strands of frazzled hair poking out. It was a silly mug to think of the absurdity of one person making peace today, world peace. But there is also today the absurdity of making peace in our climate of intolerance and incivility, of inequality, of nuclear missiles. More than ever, I believe we have enough absurdity to frazzle our hair. When we are frazzled, it is good to remember a people like Otto White who read their Bibles and know that they are beloved children of God who have a vision of God's kingdom and have the courage and the creativity to act it out. So we read our Bibles. How many of you know the name, the names of the Hebrew midwives, Shifra and Puah? These are some of the only women named in the Bible. Some of the only women named. And they are named because they had the courage and the creativity to stand up to Pharaoh and not do the evil that he would have them do. And how creative were they? The Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They are strong and they give birth before we can ever get there. <laughs> what courage, what creativity. It's there in our story. And we look to Jesus our Prince of Peace. And we see in Scripture that Jesus grants peace in so many ways. Jesus grants the forgiveness, the release from guilt and shame that gives us such peace deep in our souls, such grace, such love. Jesus grants peace in bodies, healing, a bent over woman, stopping a flow of blood, peace that comes through giving hungry people food, for poverty is violence and injustice. There's the peace that Jesus calls for in visiting the sick, bringing the peace of a caring heart, casting out a demon, And Jesus brings peace through making peace in his community and taking a public stand against injustice. Jesus begins his ministry preaching the kingdom of God, food enough for all in the empire of Caesar where people are starving. The kingdom of God in the empire of Caesar. Jesus disturbs the peace over and over, eating with the wrong kind of people, like Otto White at the lunch counter, eating and breaking the laws about who eats with whom and the socially unacceptable and the laws in culture and 
the religion, a state religion, that protects people, but Jesus does not want to be protected from the unacceptable. He accepts the unacceptable and throws the legal system into chaos. Jesus breaks the law healing on the Sabbath. He asks the law makers and the law keepers to claim what they believe. Do you believe that the Sabbath is meant for life? And they refuse to answer him. I was in South Africa, you know, at the height of apartheid in 1983, and one of the men in our group wore a t-shirt that said, question authority. Jesus questions the authority. The lawmakers go out and start devising a way to kill him. Jesus leads a march on Jerusalem, and yes, he gets political, very political. On the day that Caesar and his army march into Jerusalem, Jesus rides a donkey while his marchers wave their own palm fronds of victory. It is a peaceful, nonviolent protest in the face of the largest army in the known world. Finally, Jesus goes straight to the heart of power, the temple in Jerusalem, the bank of the theocracy, and overturns the tables and dumps the money on the floor. And then he is arrested for disturbing the peace. He is crucified, but then in what is described as God's greatest act of nonviolence, God disturbs the peace, raising Christ from the grave the resurrection is the ultimate act of nonviolent resistance to the forces of death. According to God, suffering love, making justice, truth-telling always leads to life. Jesus had and gives us what Mennonite John Paul Lederach calls the moral imagination. And he defines that in three parts. First, to imagine ourselves intimately connected with every other person so that my well-being is part of your well-being and your safety and security is part of my safety and security. We are all interwoven in a web of life that must not be broken, that cannot be broken. And when one is harmed, all are harmed. We must be able to imagine that and know that we are all knit together. The first part of a moral imagination. The second part of that moral imagination is to embrace the complexity of conflict. If you were at the conflict resolution workshop, you know 
that it's more complex than us and them. And it's more complex than for us or against us. That people and their stories and their backgrounds are involved and it is far more complex than the black and the white and even the shades of gray that we can name. We have to get curious. And have some imagination about our conflicts and their root causes. And finally, the moral imagination is defined as an act of creativity, being able to think in creative ways of nonviolent resistance, sitting down at the lunch counter, healing on the Sabbath, riding the donkey, marching with pink hats. Be creative. Imagine the new world where the wolf lies down with the lamb and enact it. We have a tremendous legacy of hope a tremendous legacy of courage. For Christian people have led the struggles to abolish slavery, to honor women's equality, the struggles to pay workers more fairly, to protect the rights of children, to seek and work and put one's life on the line for reconciliation in South Africa, and so much more. We are the blessed peacemakers. We are the children of God, for Jesus has made us so. A couple of weeks ago, my rabbi friend, a rabbi like Jesus, Rabbi Roos from Temple Sinai, met with a group of some 100, 200 religious leaders and went to the Russell Senate office building to protest the repeal of the protections given to the dreamers, the immigrants that were brought to the United States when they were children. And Rabbi Roos described the day on which there were dozens and dozens of young people, the dreamers themselves, going door to door knocking on the senator's doors, talking to anyone who would listen, stopping people in the halls to try to tell them their stories. The rabbis met in the middle of the rotunda and they began to sing a song in Hebrew about peace and welcoming the stranger. After five minutes, they were warned that they would be arrested if they did not disperse. They kept singing. And one by one, they were handcuffed with their arms behind their back and led out as a group to go to the police vans. And my rabbi friend, with tears in his eyes, described what happened next. As they walked out of the building, on either side were the dreamers, weeping and cheering. For the act of creative courage and solidarity and working for justice, disturbing the peace that is no peace.
and the how was eclipsed by the why. A peace that is no peace must be disturbed. The peace that is no peace must be disturbed. Blessed are the peacemakers, for we shall be called children of God. Amen.